Welcome to the Bonner Private Research Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Bowman. Each week, we bring you exclusive conversations with members of Bill Bonner's private research team, as well as some special guests we'll meet along the way. We're trying to connect the dots, from high finance to lowly politics, private investments to public follies, from Wall Street to Main Street, at home and on the road. We're into sound money, personal freedom, classical books, and great wines. Not always in that order. So join me and the rest of the Bonner Private Research team as we pack our bags and follow the money. Bill Bonner has penned millions of words since he started opining about money, politics, and that fascinating nexus where the twain do twine back in the 1970s. His daily missives are translated into multiple languages and reach millions of readers around the world daily. Folks who look to Bill to try and make sense of the upside down, back to front world they find themselves living in. Where Big Gov runs up trillions of dollars in debt annually, but insists on its tax agents monitoring every private transaction of $600 or less, where people are paid stimmy checks to sit on the couch, while the working man's wage has gone nowhere in the last 30-odd years, and where the miserable failures of 20th century collectivism are now held up as beacons of ingenuity for us all to follow into the future. Over his four decades in the idea business, Bill has launched dozens of businesses in countries as far-flung as Brazil, Australia, China, the UK, France, Nicaragua, South Africa, and of course down here in Argentina, where Bill spends part of his year up on his ranch in Salta. A true citizen of the world, Bill sees both America's past and her future in terms of geography. What's coming, he reckons, is Japan-like deflation in the stock and bond markets, followed by Argentina-style money printing and the rampant inflation that inevitably follows such folly. Bill was kind enough to share an hour of his busy schedule with us earlier in the week. The two of us talked about everything from vaccine mandates to USSR-style central banking coming soon to the USA, to how to destroy 2,000 years of progress in a single generation. All that and plenty more in my conversation with Bill Bonner up next. Mate, where are you? Are you uh, at, at your farm or? Yeah, I'm down in the country in, in Maryland. Oh, okay. You had uh, the, the big wedding, what was it, a week ago? Or? Oh, two weeks ago. Oh. Two weeks, almost two weeks ago. Yeah, that was a big, big event. They're, they, they take a lot of preparation and you have a daughter, so you can you can start saving for it now. <laughs> yeah. Any 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 words of advice? I've I've maybe got twenty years or something to save my pennies. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the only advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only advice we'll put on record. Ask her to a loan. Anyway. <laughs> right. So I've been reading your uh, your diaries all week as usual. Yeah. Are you um are you planning a literal uh, tour down to the Pampas, or is this just a, an intellectual no. exercise? To no, see this is an intellectual America's thing. I am going to the Pampas, but not till next year. Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> we can uh, we'll we'll have to organize a, a bit of a catch up 
uh, yeah, when you get yeah. down here. But um, it, well, I'm enjoying it, the pompous news. I guess that's the point. There's a, lot, <laughs> there's a lot going on in the, in Argentina right now, and it's kind of fascinating to see how it plays out. Yeah, never a dull day uh, down here yeah, in Argentina. I remember uh, we spent the last mm, four and a half or so months up in the U.S. hearing people complaining about whatever the official inflation rate was, four and a half, five and a half percent, something like, and saying, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till we get to 50 (laughs) percent, 50 percent official. It's amazing how well people adapt to it. You know, you think that a a currency that loses half its value every year means in two years you're wiped out. Right. You would think, how can you do business in such a place? But, you know, the Argentines are so well equipped for that. You know, I think they do they do math in their heads much faster than, than Americans. <laughs> yeah, well, even the even the shopkeeper, the shopkeeper has to update his price twice before yeah. lunch on the yeah. you know the cash register. <laughs> so we'd one of the the ongoing uh kind of themes that we've been, I guess, investigating in this podcast with yourself and uh, and Dan and Chris Mayer I spoke to just last week was this idea that um, that over the past 18 months or so during this, this big black plague that has beset mm-hmm. the world, um, we've seen an acceleration of lots of trends that were already in motion. These trends aren't new when we look at things like uh, government surveillance and snooping or borrowing and spending or um, you know, even the trends toward people sort of migrating professionally online or into yeah, these yeah. so-called Zoom towns and that kind of stuff. But one of the things that has that you've been writing a bit about lately and that seemed to have gone into just real hyperdrive is uh, that trend I mentioned just now, borrowing and spending. And uh, we would have seen just this week that uh, the House of Representatives passed uh, an approval to raise the debt limit by whatever half a trillion dollars or four hundred and eighty billion dollars, whatever it was. Um, you have described what you think the fallout of that is likely to be as first stop Tokyo, second stop Buenos Aires. Elaborate a bit. Well, that's been, you know, I've been wrong about a lot of things and wrong about that too <laughs> because I kind of saw that coming in year two thousand. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't played out like that. The, the, the U.S. market has been much more receptive to money pumping because of lots of things going on. It's the reserve currency of the world. People want to buy into the U.S. They want U.S. bonds. They want U.S. dollars. Japan is a much more isolated case. But, anyway, but in any case, what the, the point of that was two decades ago that I saw the U.S. following basically the Japanese model, big boom, big bust. And it didn't quite work out that way, but it did generally because the U.S. economy slowed down. And now the growth rate in the U.S. economy over the last 10 years is about half of what it was before in the 1990s, 1980s and so on, even less if you go back to the 60s and and 70s. So we've seen the slowdown like Japan, but what we haven't seen is the market reaction. In Japan, stocks went down 80% after the bust in uh, in 1989. And since then, never recovered. <laughs> never, they're still down like 50%. You know, it's just been a terrible time for a Japanese investor. We haven't seen that. 
And I suspect we haven't seen it simply because of the status of the U.S., the size of its market, the way in which people are, are, are programmed to believe that it stocks never go down in America. But uh, I think we will. And I think the next, uh, the first st stop on this tour is probably still Japan, where we uh, a crash occurs. And it occurs because we're at the crash level. And it always occurs. Stocks go up. And then they go down, you know, they can't go up forever. So when we see that, most likely we're going to see a lot of wailing and a gnashing of teeth as people worry about the country going down the tubes. But it's already going down the tubes. It's just going down the tubes in a different way. So what will happen most likely is that this period of uh, deflation, because that's what happens as a, the, the, the primary beneficiary of U.S. inflation and that inflation took the Fed holdings from 400 billion in 1999 to 8.4 trillion. That's inflation. And that inflation has gone mostly into the stock market, which is up like 30 trillion dollars above what it was at that uh, previous level. So what we're seeing, that huge inflation typically followed by huge deflation. So we would expect the main deflation in the U.S. market to occur in the stock and bond market. And I think that should be coming up as soon as somebody gets rattled by as soon as something happens, you know, whatever. The Fed could try to to uh, uh, taper off of its funding. But in any case, probably something will happen and then the uh, the uh, stock market will crash. But then what happens next is where we get to Argentina. And our, the Argentines have been through this so many times. It's like a 10-year cycle in Argentina where things go crazy. People are, you know, all of a sudden apartments are selling for huge prices. I remember I was in Argentina in the 1990s, I think it was, and it was more expensive than New York. And then I went back in like 2003, and it was so cheap, I couldn't believe it. I would, We went out to a restaurant, about 12 of us went to a restaurant, sort of an impromptu thing. And we all had steak and wine and salad and dessert and everything. And the waiter brought the bill, which I calculated, hmm, that's about $25. <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> I went back to the waiter and said, I think you left a zero off of that. Uh -huh. <laughs> he said, no, no, that's right. But anyway, the Argentines are very, very much accustomed to this sort of cycle. Americans are not. But we're going to see, most likely, an Argentine kind of response. And I, in the last few days, I've been taking headlines from Argentina and suggesting that those are probably headlines for the future. For example, there was one which was uh, Argentine government spending more in advance of elections. Well, <laughs> I'd say that's a no-brainer. That, that is going to happen in the U.S. And it, it went on to say that the Argentines were being reckless with their spending and it was going to cause inflation. But Already, the rates are 50%. So you know, how much more inflation is it going to cause? The other interesting thing is that Argentina's fiscal deficit is much, much lower than the U.S. for the combination of reasons. But the main reason is that Argentina can't borrow money. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to lend any money to the Argentines. So they're either, either they print it which everybody knows about, and everybody starts selling their pesos and selling their Argentine stocks, it's very painful for them now to print money. Not to say they won't do it, but it's still very painful and very obvious. In the U.S., it's not painful or obvious, so they're printing a lot more money, and for the same reason, to buy votes, basically. 
And so anyway, what I've been focusing on lately, and I think I've got a, a angle on it, or at least a way of explaining something, which is uh, fairly well interesting and to, to understand how could it be? This is the, the question that, that met me this week was how could it be? You know, I was just looking out at the trees or something thinking, isn't this amazing? This is, this is 2021. This is since the birth of Christ, that's 2021 years of progress in which people have learned to make progress. They've learned what it takes to make progress. And the ones that didn't make progress have been left aside. You know, they're, you know, wandering around the jungles of Amazonia or New Guinea or something. The people who have made progress know how to make progress and they know what it takes to make progress. It takes hard work, saving property rights and all the other things that we know it takes to make progress. And by the way, in those 2000 years, and especially in the last hundred years, there have been just a flowering of innovation. So that now we have all sorts of financial innovations. There are the cryptocurrencies, of course, and there are the hedge funds and so on. It's just amazing. And so that now if you start a company, you can borrow millions of dollars, usually very easy, very quickly. The markets are flush with cash, flush with investors who think they're going to make a lot of money on your next disruptive technology. So anyway, this this whole tech, technological thing is just huge. There's just technology. You can't keep up with it. You can't want, you know, you can't figure out how to turn your turn your uh, your 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 car radio on anymore. It's got some kind of fancy <laughs> thing on. But the point of this is that in these 2021 years, so much progress has happened and so much clearly showing how to make progress. You know how many college graduates there are now in the sciences and physics, engineering, chemistry, and so on, compared to 100 years ago? Well, I don't either, but it's a big number. <laughs> a lot of them are in China. Yeah. You know, it's just mm -hmm. huge. This flowering of, of capitalist innovation is just unbelievable. And so in the face of that, we used to see that growth rates are going down. You know, and this, uh, this, this latest innovation, you know, the technological communications revolution where AI and all this stuff was supposed to make, make decisions so fluid and the data was available to everybody and they had all these guys for programming computers. And yet uh, growth rates have gone down. I don't know what to make of that either, but I think that's the question we have to be asking ourselves. How is it possible that with all these smart people working so hard, innovating, starting new businesses, entrepreneurs, genius tech at technology, and yet things not getting better. And by the way, I'm not just talking about, I say GDP rates going down. That's not the only thing. Have you noticed, you've probably noticed more than I, how our world is, is getting smaller. You know, now you, it's harder. It's like driving on the freeway in, uh, in, in Los Angeles. You used to be able to drive faster. Well, things haven't gotten better. They've gotten worse. Now, when you go, and then about uh, 20 years ago, all of a sudden airline travel changed and not for the better. Suddenly you had to stand in line and get frisked and all that sort of stuff. Didn't get better, it got worse. And now all these things like that, and you can't, when we were going to go to New York, I was going with a friend of mine. My friend is not vaccinated. We decided not to go because all the, everything's closed to people who aren't vaccinated. So that uh, put the kibosh on that. Where our, our horizons are, are, are becoming more constrained. And it's just the opposite because, excuse me for going on so much, but 
the point I'm coming to is that one of the things that we learned over those 2021 years since the birth of Christ is that people, what makes progress is the ability of people to decide what to do themselves. It's that freedom, really, because that's all you only know progress when you see people choosing it. You know, if you say, oh, great, I've got a great invention. I've learned how to turn wine into water. <laughs> but right. I wrote a book about that. Yeah. How much how much demand would be there be for that? None. Is that progress? It might be technological progress in the narrowest sort, but it's not real progress because nobody wants to turn wine into water. They want to do it the other way around. Right. (laughs) But and so so we found out over these thousands of years that people working as slaves were not as productive as people working as free people. And we found that that businesses and uh, enterprises run by people who had had skin in the game, who could create and and keep their 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 winnings because because we protected capital, we protected property rights. That was a much better system. We found out all that stuff. And then in the 20th century, uh, humans, bless their hearts, ran three huge experiments. Three, they're sort of like backtesting. And they did it in China, did it in Russia, and did it in Germany, in which three of the biggest economies in the world, with the biggest populations, and Germany being the most enlightened, probably most civilized country in the world, ran these experiments, backtesting the whole proposition where they decided, well, we're going to forget about those rules. We're going to forget about everything we've learned over the last 2000 years. Instead, we're going to tell people exactly what to do. And guess what happened? Well, they were all dismal failures. They were terrible failures. And they were judged failures by their own people completely by 1991 when the Soviet Union went out of business. And so what do we learn? We know what what you what it need what you need for progress. It's not a matter of conjecture anymore. It's pretty well settled. And yet what we see happening is not only our GDP growth rates going down, but also the very thing that we need for human progress is being curtailed. We find ourselves being told what to do. We find camps of people arguing with each other, trying to get the other one to do something when we know perfectly well you're better off letting people decide for themselves. So anyway, that's what I see happening. And it it helps me understand what I think is uh, the way the world works and and the way and where it's headed. Mm. Well, I mean, you put a lot on the table there, I'll I'll have to say. (laughs) But let's start with the idea that we've had, you know, through this process of of trial and error and, you know, millions of different people with their own hopes and their own dreams, uh, their own expectations and their own aspirations, just sort of tinkering around the edges and over time making marginal improvements to the things that serve them or that they perceive serve them better. This takes millennia, of course, um, you know, as, as, a, as a kind of big macro process. And then we have on the other side, the other side of free people making decisions, um, you know, without coercion. On the other side, we have uh, another subject that uh, that is, I know, near and dear to your heart, we have, I'm going to, I hope I'm pronouncing this professor's name correctly, but I think it's Saul Omarova. Uh, she comes along and says, hold on a second, don't worry about the banking and laws of usury and, you know, all the kinds of things that that private citizens have spent hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, 
perfecting and and uh, you know molding into something that they feel serves them she's going to come along and she is as comptroller of the currency she is going to top down tell everybody how it's going to be better and quote unquote end banking as we know it what what do we make of this <laughs> right forget all those lessons learned by the genoese bankers forget all those lessons <laughs> they by the bank of england over hundreds of years the bank of france the whole South Sea bubble, Mississippi bubble, forget all those lessons. You know, she's got the truth. And by the way, where did she get the truth? The University of Moscow. <laughs> she's on a graduate a, of the University of Moscow. On a, on a Lenin, immigrant on to a, the United States from, from Kazakhstan. On a, on a Lenin scholarship, I believe she attended the Moscow. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> the Lenin scholar. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just got one quote from her here because, I, I, I mean, I mean there, are, there are enough to put you know, we could do a whole a whole episode just on uh, on the hubris of this uh, particular individual. But uh, she has been, you know, she came out in the Financial Times today talking about, uh, you know, how she's being unfairly targeted because she's a female and a minority, not because her ideas are terrible, but it has to have something to do with her gender and her race, not, uh, you know, what's yeah. what's in her head or, or what's not in her head. But uh, this is something, um, a snippet from a forthcoming Vanderbilt Law Review, Vanderbilt Law Review article in which Omarova envisions, quote, an ultimate end state whereby central banks, central bank accounts fully replace rather than compete with private bank deposits. So it doesn't sound like she's, um, you know, any kind of meet you halfway mixed market uh, kind no, of problem. No, I mean, she's, no, no. She, this is all the way. Um, she's you know. got the truth, and is she like her whole, her whole cast, are foreclosing our options? You know, they don't yeah. want us to have the option of taking our money and putting it into account at the PNC bank or into Bitcoin or into anyway. It's got to go where she can keep an eye on it, and right. that's the whole drift drift of of uh, modern government. And a fascinating thing because, as we know, it is contrary to the whole concept of and the, the foundation of progress. You need people to compete. You need banks to compete in order to find which one will provide the best service. And her idea is to eliminate the whole, all the banks and make sure everybody is under control. So we have deposits, uh, I guess, under her, her new USSR or US, USSA, uh, whatever it is, Federal Reserve. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. D- deposits. But this, this kind of dovetails into another... Uh, another story, and that's, you know, I mean, the the um, the hypocrisy is is really underscored when you see two stories next to each other in the newspaper or, or on the television. One saying that uh, you know the House of Representatives uh, has voted for you know just increased spending another half trillion, guys. That'll be fine. Seeming, I mean, not seemingly, but extremely profligate with taxpayers' money present and future taxpayers, that is. But then on the other hand, they're very, very stingy when it comes to monitoring monitoring private citizens' money. Down to the down to six hundred bucks is is apparently the latest (laughs) transactional limit that they're going to be keeping an eye on. So how does that kind of feed into the narrowing of our horizons in your estimation? Well I I think it's just part of part of the whole program. I've come to see only late in life that uh, that the whole idea of of uh, democratic government is a fraud, really. That that it it doesn't work, and it never did work. And the uh, ancient Greeks told us it wouldn't work, and they were right. 
It only works at a very small level. So if you have a, a town meeting in a little small town in New England, you know, then it works plausibly well. People can get together and they can vote on where to put the town dump. And they'll do pretty, pretty well with that. But as it's like everything else, it's subject to the law of uh, declining marginal utility. So the more people who vote, the less each vote is worth. And now in America, there have been many studies of this. The, the actual value of a vote in America today is approximately zero. <laughs> Maybe less than zero if you take into account the work you have to do to, to do it. But, you know, citizens don't control the government at all. They're, the government is controlled by people like Miss uh, Miss Amaroba, who, by the way, you know, is... You could argue that, well, how'd she get to be a citizen anyway? You know, she's, she's a, really, you know, she's a, a Kazakhstan person. So anyway, but she and her whole cast, because there's a global cast, it doesn't have to be somebody born in the U.S. or American or anywhere, anything like that. They all agree that that their cast should rule the world. Hmm. And they have a whole system and a setup. You know, they this and that's why they love this democratic government, because under democracy, the people don't rule, they rule. And they know perfectly well that they want more, most people to vote as possible. They want to give away as much money as possible, especially in small amounts, so that they will buy the favor and the dependence of the voters. And now I think that's true in Argentina, as it is in America. Most people, the majority of people, get some or all of their uh, their funds from the government. And so they 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 like the government. They want it to do more. And they vote for whoever promises to give them most plausibly the most money. So this, this whole elite class is really a parasitic class. They're not what they might have once been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can say, we're going, we are in in American mythology, we have the founders, the founding fathers, and they were wise beyond measure. And uh, they were also major property owners, the richest people in America at the time. And uh, their idea of uh, democracy meant that they voted. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else voted. And, and that worked. It worked because they were property owners and they were wanted to find a system to control what they saw as the major threat to property owners, and that was the government. And so they set up a system designed specifically to control, to limit, to make sure the government couldn't get it get too big, too big for its britches. But over the years, of course, the government did get too big for its britches. And now people like Ms. Amarova and a lot of other people are all out there finding more and more ways. And one of them, by the way, is to eliminate the debt ceiling. You know, after they got the funny money in place, they could print money so they didn't have to go to taxpayers and ask for it. And they didn't have to go to the bond market and borrow it. Now they can print it. And so that after that, the only limit that Congress still had was the debt limit, the debt ceiling. It gave them another opportunity to uh, shirk their duty <laughs> right, <laughs> and vote for an increase in the debt ceiling. But it was the only thing left. And now, of course... Ms. Pelosi and uh, Ms. Yellen and uh, all the other powers that be are talking about eliminating the debt ceiling so they don't have to deal with that anymore. They don't want anything to get in the way. And the other big thing they've done recently, which they're very proud of, is they've set up this whole international 
tax uh, minimum minimum tax on corporations so that nobody gets away. <laughs> it's, a, right. it's all part of the same thing of narrowing, narrowing your options. You know, country, the countries, at least on the corporate tax, can't really compete on corporate tax rates anymore after this thing gets in place. And so the companies lose another option of uh, uh, the way they do business. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a closing in of the options, a closing in on freedom, and this is closing in on progress. And we're seeing mm -hmm. that playing out in lower and lower GDP growth rates. And we're seeing some, some other spectacular things too, like in Argentina, where you now have people at each other's throats, <laughs> mobs in the streets, things like that is developing, yep. people are getting very angry about things because the key to, to democracy, by the way, the thing that makes it tolerable is that it's consensual democracy. And it's the consensus part of it that makes it tolerable, not the democracy. If if people vote, they vote, uh, for, let's say 51% vote to take away all the property of the other 49%, that wouldn't go down well. That would not be a good government. That would not, that would not play out favorably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in a consensual democracy, you don't do that. You know, everybody's kind of had to, they kind of have to agree. And so there's been a lot of discussion about this because the people who want to force everybody to get the, the, the vaccine say, well, it's just like traffic rules. You know, people have to give up a little bit of their freedom in order to use the highway. But those that is consensual. You know, almost everybody, I, I've never even met somebody who thought there shouldn't be any traffic rules. You know, there, most people just go along with it because it just seems reasonable. It's consensual. Right. But the mandates don't seem reasonable. I mean, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of people with a lot of different opinions about them. And yeah. nobody, mm -hmm. as far as I know, I, I mean, I don't know who has the final whole and ineluctable truth on it. I, 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 as far as I know, that doesn't exist. But well, if people the <laughs> are willing to press the issue. And yep. that's what, again, limiting our limiting our freedom, limiting our options and effectively slowing down the rate of progress in the world, because progress is found by competing ideas and competing ideas on the on the vaccine. They're all over the place. And yet. And uh, there was this miss uh, this renegade whistleblower from Facebook uh, on, at Congress this week, also telling members of Congress that they should not allow ideas to compete on Facebook. They should shut them down because they are misinformation, they are lies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it's totally a, a point of view which was looked upon favorably by almost every member of the ruling elite. <laughs> yes, makes you makes you wonder what kind of a what kind of a whistleblower uh, this young lady is when she goes in and every single member of the regulatory committee to which she is whistleblowing loves her ideas. <laughs> yes. Very suspicious. Very By the way, in the military, there have been a couple of whistleblowers so far, you know, in all that, all those torture issues, all the mm -hmm. use of torture overseas and rendition and all the crimes committed by the U.S., you know, including blowing up whole families, attending weddings and things. The only person who's gone to jail for any of those was the whistleblower. Yes. He, he Assange, went to jail. Manning, Nobody else has gone to jail. Instead, they've they, the, the generals and the people in charge end up uh, working for major uh, defense contractors. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you, uh, that 
we've we're witnessing this narrowing of our uh, of our optionality, um, both with regards to our capital and the way that we spend our money, with whom we transact, in which manner we choose to do our business. But I don't know, and and maybe you uh, have a historical precedent for this, but I think we're, if I'm not mistaken, we're in we're in novel territory with regards to mandating individual or body sovereignty i mean that that is something that that i don't know that we've really i mean maybe we go back to india and there's kind of forced forced sterilization of certain castes under Ms. Yeah, Gandhi. there have, or, there or have been have you, well but, there have been forced sterilization in the united states of america too uh-huh. famous court supreme court decision and i can't remember which justice it was but he said three generations of idiots is enough that was oliver <laughs> wendell holmes <laughs> oh, that's who it was. Well, anyhow, they, you know, they, they approve. They approve all yeah. kinds of things. doesn't mean. And right no. now we saw an article in the New York Times, naturally, where we <laughs> since said we that's work it. for the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. And here's why we think mandates are legal. And of course, what they did is they cited all these cases, which are the worst cases in Supreme Court history. <laughs> oh, they yielded, effectively yielded. Americans' liberty to the uh, to the government. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> nothing really new. You, you you talk about something new. The new the new part is the scale of it. You know the way in which yeah, it's that's just overwhelming. Right. Yeah. Overwhelming now, and uh, m- my guess is that it's part of this uh, degeneracy that we're seeing. Of uh, it's it's like somebody. Um, uh, made this comparison that going back to the, the the lights, you know, the traffic lights, that the traffic lights are consensual. The light turns green and you go, it turns red and it and you stop. And everybody kind of agrees that that's okay. You know, that, that works. It's not favoring any particular group over another group or any ideology. It just, that's the way it works best. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine if you screwed up the lights and they blinked and they, they gave you false signals or something. And pretty soon people would wouldn't know whether to go or stop. You know, the right. lights would cheat you. They turn red and then they turn green, turn green, then red all of a sudden. And what would happen is you would lose confidence in the lights. Mm-hmm. You would lose confidence in the system. And then you'd approach an intersection. You wouldn't know. So you'd have to approach it slowly. You would slow down to make sure nobody else is coming in the other direction. The whole system would fall apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what's happening. The rules of of a consensual democracy are like those traffic lights, and they're just not working anymore. People are not slowing down. They're not stopping at the right time. They're going at each other's throats over things that should be just matters of personal choice. Right. <clears throat> so we're seeing, I think, a, a degeneracy of the whole system. I think that if you had to find one specific cause of it, you would look at the uh, the way in which the the dollar has been so corrupted that it doesn't give fair signals anymore. And it favors one class, the, the, the elite, by the way, the people who own right. stocks and bonds over everybody else. And it gives these price signals are totally wrong. Savers get nothing. And mm-hmm. uh, borrowers make out uh, very well. And Wall Street does beautifully well. Anyway, so that's what I, I would say. I'm, I'm elaborating on this next week because I think it's important. But uh, but it looks to me like that that the system is is headed down and there's nothing can be done to stop it. <laughs> yeah, I think that you the, have to you have to take it with a little bit of a amused uh, distance. The, I think 
the traffic lights are, are blinking. It, it is interesting to note that to bring it full circle back to Argentina, the traffic lights haven't been working down here for so long that <laughs> I think people just take matters into their own hands. They assume <laughs> yeah, that yeah. they're going to be broken uh, and they take uh, personal responsibility, which is which is something good to see. But um, I'll just uh, a, a quick little anecdote on top of the <clears throat> uh, of the curtailment of freedoms with regards to these vaccine mandates. I'm sure you've seen uh, my country of birth, Australia, has been leading the way in uh, <clears throat> the, the very trialing all the very worst ideas. And I was I was uh, not shocked, but ashamed to see today that um, the Northern Territory uh, have imposed vaccine mandates for anybody who deals with a member of the public. <laughs> so I don't know how many people are escaping uh, that. And they have uh, something like one month to become vaccinated. This is anybody who deals with a member of the public uh, by way of their profession, or they will be uh, they will face uh, being fired from their, their position and having a, a, and incurring a $5,000 fine. So if this, uh, I, I can't imagine if that goes through in New South in Northern Territory, that'll that'll roll around Australia, and then with, and then I've been calling Australia the co- the canary in the COVID coal mine since the beginning because they were they were swooning um, <laughs> deep down in the mine shaft, and I think that some countries around the world are looking at Australia and they're saying, hey, this this isn't the Congo or you mentioned Papua New Guinea or something like that. This is. These people look like us. They sound like us. They live in houses that are like us. They have televisions like us. If they can fall so quickly and capitulate so rapidly, then what's to stop that from uh, coming home yeah, to we're roost? all doomed. And up in the Northern Territories, there aren't any people up there anyway, are there? I think there's about six or seven uh, at last census. <laughs> yeah. So, and they're very yeah, funny. <laughs> you would seem to be fairly socially distanced just from a <laughs> population yeah. density standpoint anyway. Uh, but Bill, tell us. Uh, I, I know I've been encroaching on your uh, your time here, coming up on uh, on forty odd minutes. But tell us what we've got uh, in the pipeline for Bonner Private Research over the next uh, couple of months. Uh, I know well, you're getting together with Dan and well, Tom in a, say, in a week or so. I'm elaborating on this uh, idea that I have, which I think helps explain and helps us understand what's going on. I'm relying heavily on my experience in Argentina, which I think is is, is some odd way ahead of the curve here. And <laughs> not necessarily, that's not a good thing. But, uh, and uh, Dan and Tom were meeting actually next, uh, next week in Baltimore. And uh, they are working on specific portfolio recommendations. Mm-hmm. You know, what you, what, what should you do? Dan is, is out in Laramie, Wyoming, and he's very serious about, keeping yourself, your person in some position or some place where it's not so exposed to the kind of social turmoil that we expect we expect to come. And uh, Tom, Tom has his own agenda. He's traveling around, you know, permanent, uh, a permanent traveler. And, uh, he, you know, he's trying to, he, he lives on his investment. So he's investing his money in a way that produces uh, gains enough to keep him Keep him going. It's all. It's very interesting. So, that, so we're meeting next week to talk about the big picture and the little picture and the, and actual portfolio recommendations. All right. Well, I'll I'll include some uh, information, links, and things like that where people will be able to catch your insights and uh, insights from the rest of the team. Um, so you mentioned uh, down here in March, 
Bill, if I don't see you down here before then, um, hopefully we can catch up at Lota Jesus for one of those uh, $12.50 lunches for us and the families. Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Wonderful. Thanks a lot, Bill. All right. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bonner Private Research Podcast. You can find more conversations like this in the members-only section of our website at bonnerprivateresearch.com. If you would like to contact us, please address compliments and complaints alike to podcast at bonnerprivateresearch.com. We look forward to hearing from you either way. Until next week.